to the Homegrown Podcast from Keep Indiana Learning. This month, Counselor Connect is taking over the podcast and will feature episodes dedicated to student service professionals, in part to celebrate National School Counseling Week occurring annually during the first week of February. Hello, my name is Amanda Colhan and I coordinate Counselor Connect, a statewide network of student service professionals serving in Indiana schools. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for the first of four episodes in the Counselor Connect takeover of the Homegrown Podcast. We are thrilled to join the country in celebrating National School Counseling Week, and we're excited to talk about school counselor advocacy today. Hello, listeners. My name is Amanda Callhan, and I'm the coordinator for Counselor Connect, a support network for student service professionals operated by the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. I'm thrilled to introduce today's special guest. Joining me today is a recent Indiana School Counselor Award recipient, Lydia McNeely, formerly a school counselor at Charles Scott Middle School in Hammond, who recently moved into the college and career coordinator position for the district. Congratulations, by the way, on this new position and on recently being awarded the Exemplary Middle School Counselor and the Indiana School Counselor of the Year Awards. We'll talk a little bit more about the awards in just a minute, but first I want to welcome Lydia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Yes, I love it. Thanks for joining us. To start, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe a fun fact, or perhaps why you chose the counseling profession. Sure. So my name is Lydia McNeely, and as Amanda mentioned, I am the College and Career Coordinator for the School City Hammond. Um, so I oversee the school counselors throughout the district. I'm not their boss. I just kind of oversee the program. Um, and the college and career readiness um, that we're doing K-12. And then I also have a small group of students that I'm going to be able to work with that have gotten into, um, might have had some issues with um, being in, in the school building in the past. So just kind of working with them as a small group one-on-one, which I'm really excited about. Um, so I actually am not a traditional, like I wasn't a traditional student going to school. I had my daughter very young. I was, you know, the, the teenage parent. And, and so my um, road to be here was not um, an easy one. And so I started off working in School City Hammond as a parapro. Um, after working at a in a telecommunications company, I worked for a telecommunications company for 14 years. Um, worked there, they closed the center down. So I had always gone to school, like taking a class here, taking a class there, but I'd never finished. Um, so I started off in the district working as a parapro. Um, then I became a long-term sub. When I became a long-term sub, I had finally earned my degree, uh, my bachelor's degree. And then I became a, a, an SEI, which was like a suspension expulsion interventionist. So I worked directly with students who were having um, issues. Um, we were addressing disproportionality, um, addressing issues um, with students who um, were getting pulled out of the classroom, trying to figure out like why. Um, and then I, I worked right next to the school counselor at the time. Um, and who's Allison Bird, and she um, was probably one of the reasons why this all kind of started. Um, just kind of seeing the way she interacted with students, seeing the relationship she built with students, seeing her in those meetings with the parents and the staff, and kind of her look, them looking at her like the expert in that room. I thought it was really powerful, and I thought that um, the work that I wanted to do with the students, I think that becoming a school counselor would help propel me and have a bigger impact. So that's how it started. So I started going to school once I became the student, um, the SEI at the building and, and, and moved on from there. So I'm really fortunate to be here now with you today. 
Wow, what a journey you've had. <laughs> a lot of different experiences and and thanks for sharing kind of your your personal story, a little bit of that background for us to really be able to fully understand um, kind of where you started and, and now where you are. Um, that's great. And it sounds like now you're wearing many hats uh, as a leader in your building and in your district, but also getting to work with students still. That's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I know I hear leaders say, that when they do move into those positions, it's hard to no longer have their student caseloads. So that's that's pretty cool that you get to keep that. Um, I bet that's exciting for you. She meant she emailed me and she's like, "Well, do you think this is you know going to add too much to your plate?" And I'm like, "No, no, like, <laughs> that missing piece." I think, yeah. And I think like when we talk, you know, I know we're going to talk about advocacy, and I think like that student voice and really working with that student um, is something that, I, you know, I've only been in this position for a couple of months, but but definitely something that I was missing. So I'm excited to go back to that part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so as mentioned during the introduction, you were honored at this year's ISCA conference as you were awarded with the both the exemplary middle school counselor, as well as the Indiana School Counselor of the Year awards, both incredible honors to receive. And I know talking about ourselves sometimes can be a little uncomfortable, but I'd love for you to share kind of what about your program helped elevate the work that you do, or maybe what stood out to your colleagues uh, leading to your nomination for this award. I hope um, that I think my, my passion and I guess my drive for the work um, is what I would hope led it led them to to submit the nominations. I know a couple of people who um, who who actually submitted my name, um, and I, one of them was a teacher. One of them was, I believe, the principal. One was my co counselor. Um, so just uh, the work that we've been able to kind of do together. So I think the big piece is like that collaborative work um, in in for us and for our department for our program. Like we. Uh, in, in, in growing it over the past several years, it's really us not working in a silo, like us really working with the teachers, talking to our teachers, talking to our staff about our role, what our role should look like, going into the classrooms, not, and and we are still reactive. Like I'm not saying that we're not, um, we definitely still have a lot of work to do, but just kind of building that, trying to be proactive, trying to advocate for the role. And, and like I said, my, you know, our, I work in Hammond, um, about 80% of our students um, would be um, free and or probably close to 90 as a district um, are free and reduced lunch. Um, we have a black and brown um, population um, being very intentional with the work that we're doing and looking at that data and seeing how we can advocate for all of those students. Like that DEI piece for me is really important. Um, and I think part of it is because I've grown up in, in these spaces with these, like, you know, not exactly in, in this community, but I grew up in a community a lot like this one. And my my road was not paved, you know, like I said. Um, so just kind of like taking that and not taking like the work that we've been able to do or the seat that I'm in right now, like not being able to take that for granted and not being very intentional with the work that we're doing and the space that I'm holding and doing the work here. Like to me, it's important to, to be able to have the ear of, you know, I was in a meeting, which is why I was like to, to our podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I was in a meeting and, and I'm, I'm literally with the district leadership in this meeting. And so 
So having a voice of, of a school counselor, having a voice of, you know, a Latina, and I don't know if I'm the, the first Latina to be the school counselor of the year. I don't know about that. I will find that out. But yeah. like, <laughs> that space, so, and to kind of advocate for our position, our roles, and all of our students. So like, that's really important to me. Um, so it's driving everything that we did at the school level, but now to be able to kind of hopefully grow what we did at that school and and address the needs of our students at the district level is you know, I don't take that responsibility lightly and I'm really excited about the work that we're, that we've been able to do, that we're going to continue to do and the connections that we're making along the way. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. I, and, you know, your personal kind of journey and experience, your passion, your, um, the ways in which you advocate for your students are all very apparent uh, through the interactions I've had with you. Mm -hmm. Obviously your colleagues feel the same way. They nominated you for that big award. And so that's pretty awesome. So thank you for sharing that. Um, my next question is, uh, if someone asked you to share what counselors do in like two minutes, you know, what would, what would your elevator speech be? <laughs> I would, okay, so I would first say we're multi, so I love that multitasking ninjas because I really do feel that we are, multi <laughs> but that's just, you know, uh, but, but definitely I think that we hold so many different hats. Um, and then we maneuver and, and we have so many different plates going on at one time that we're trying not to drop. Um, but we're definitely data-driven, student-centered, and that master-level professionals, right? I, I do want to, like, I always do kind of emphasize that because I think sometimes as we do like this advocacy work, people kind of tend to forget, like, we had so many different hours of um, practicum and internship, and we are master-level uh, educators. Um, we work with all students to ensure that we're addressing their social, emotional, college and career readiness and academic needs. Um, again, focusing on that data and reviewing that data to improve student outcomes. And again, that equity piece is essential to me. So promoting equity and access and delving into that data to find out where um, gaps exist and then applying what we're learning to advocate for all students. Great, thank you. You mentioned what'd you say? Multi multi ninja hats? Is that what you said? So I bought a, uh, some mugs for us for Christmas for some of the concerts, and it was like multitasking ninja. I love that. I just love that. I love that. But I I'm gonna have to. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna have to borrow that. You you need that too. You're a multi yeah. ninja yourself. <laughs> I love that. Aren't all educators, I mean, so many educators are, are multi-ninja or tasking ninjas, aren't they? Oh gosh, especially Every right day. now. Every day. Love that. Love that. Okay, so um, uh, you've, you've alluded to some of this already, but in what ways do you advocate for the school counseling profession? So this is coming out at National School Counselor Week. So National School Counselor Week is so important for us. Um, it's easy when you have a building that you have, you know, 800, 1,000, you know, or, or you're working in a district like ours, like 12,000 students. I'm not sure how many teachers are there, but like if you have all these teachers, it's easy to kind of get lost in that shuffle. Um, so National School Counselor Week to me is really important for us. And and I know, yes, hopefully, I, I hope that the counselors out there are, are going to get lunches from their, their principals and, and all that good stuff. But it is a time for us to let other people know what we're doing. Um, I remember when when we would have like professional development meetings with our staff, um, having um, asking your principal to to be a member of you know a, of a leadership committee within the school, but also asking your principal if you could present and talk about what your program looks like and what you're building and how your program works to help them. 
like one of the, like I said, one of the teachers that did nominate me was our social studies teacher. Um, and he saw the programs that we were bringing into the building and how he, and, and we worked with him in bringing some of those programs into the building. And he saw the benefit that it had on his students. So we're benefiting the entire student population with the work that we're doing. And we have to kind of shout that out. So like for National School Counselor Week, hey, I had, you know, um, such and such um, individual meetings. We've had so many small groups. We've had, you know, just talking about the work that we're doing in and out that, you know, we, we don't have a microphone and we're not sitting there saying, hey, I did this or I did that, you know, but this is our time to really say, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and it does have an impact in our students. And if you're looking at, data and you're looking at the number of F students had first semester versus the student the F students have second semester, um, they have improved. Not saying that that working with the teacher and working with tutors didn't have any type of effect on it, but maybe working with them individually, um, calling parents, talking to them about like anxiety, test anxiety, talking to them about study skills, like things like that have an impact on it too. So like not selling yourself and the work that you're doing short. And I think that, you know, we're, we're really, um, I think as, as a profession, like we're not that like, um, usually out there um, ready to stand out and, and shout what we're doing. But I mean, this is the time that we really have to. And when you're looking at advocacy, it's really about having those relationships with your administration. It's really about selling what you're doing. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that we're in a position that we have to do that. I understand that. Like, uh, granted, 100%, we shouldn't have to do it. But right now, the way our profession is, this is the work that we have to do in order to move forward. Like, ASCA just released, like, the school counselor ratio for the state of Indiana. We're last. Like we yes. are with 600 and something to one, like that's not acceptable. Like how can we do that work for all students when you're looking at numbers like that? But again, talking about the work that we're doing and not um, spending so much of our time on non-school counseling related tasks, like letting your principals, letting your administration know like what that looks like and what that means in practice, um, I, I think goes a long way to try to to try to you know build that program because you're not going to be able to build like you can build your program but you're not going to build it to affect the entire school population if they don't know what you're doing and if they don't believe in the work that you're doing either absolutely absolutely so i heard you mention the importance of having a seat at the table um educating others on the the great work that school counselors do um, so important because oftentimes uh, a lot of people don't really know what the what the true role is supposed to be. Counselors are obviously uniquely trained. They hold master's degrees. Um, so having the space and the time to allow counselors to do the true work that we're trained to do is, is so vastly important. So thank you for sharing all of that and, and kind of what that looks like for you. Um, speaking of data, too, I know you mentioned this. Uh, how do you utilize data specifically to inform advocacy efforts? So we want to make sure that we're addressing the needs of all of our students. And so that means um, being aware of how to pull like data reports or have somebody pull those reports for you, but being able to read them and kind of manipulate them because you're going to want to like look and see, um, you know, when you're looking at um, enrolling students, you want to make sure that you have um, students that are enrolled in all of your classes that represent your student population. Um, so our, so when I, when I would, we, we, my co-counselor, I would always say like, I understand that we're looking at like the test scores, but then besides that, like what else are we, we can't just rely on test score. We can't just rely on what the teachers are telling us. Um, we have to really push um, and make sure that we're including all of our students in that work. So it really does mean being familiar with the data. You know, I'm not a math person. I am not a math person at all. <laughs> 
But um, if you're looking at it, it doesn't have to be math. So like if you're looking at these charts and you're looking, okay, well, where, where does this discrepancy lie? Um, and then also when you're doing that, not just when you're looking at the EI work and, and making sure you're advocating for all students, but also when you're selling your profession, like when you're selling um, and explaining like what exactly role is that you're doing? Um, okay, well, we work with the number of students that have two or more Fs. This is the number that we had initially. This is a number that at the end of these interventions, this is what we're having. If we're working on a student, students with attendance, these are the number of students. This is what we did. And this is not just like when we're looking at our, our work, it's not just work that a counselor is doing by themselves. Like a lot of the work does, you know, it's, it's collaboration. It's working with local schools. It's working with, you know, sometimes it is, um, you have like a truancy referral um, organization that we work with, Gemini. So like we refer students and families there. Again, but these are all interventions that you're working on together and then what the outcomes are. And you're going to have to, you know, and, and, and you know, present it in a pretty, you know, colorful graph. I love colorful graphs. Mm -hmm. um, that's just me. <laughs> But again, just kind of being able to kind of dissect that and then promote what the work is that you're doing, because if you don't promote it, nobody else will. And they're not, um, if you're not letting people know the work, then, then you know, you're not going to be able to grow that program. There's no way that you're going to be able to grow it because it's just going to be stagnant. And right now, especially the needs that our kids have right now, we can't afford to be stagnant. Yes, yes. So so not only demonstrating your impact for others, but um, also helpful, obviously, in designing your own program and your own interventions to be able to see, okay, which of those interventions are truly effective and truly working for our students. Um, so yeah, that's great, thank you. Um, so we talked about advocacy, obviously, for the profession, um, really so our students have more support, but let's talk more about student advocacy for just a minute. So I want to ask you if you were to give a new counselor a couple of tips for how to best support their students, what what advice would you give them? So I would say um, to start off with the intention of being student-centered um, and what that looks like, because we can say that we're student-centered, um, but we have not walk, you know, walked in the, in, in the shoes of our students in I don't even know how many years. So um, we don't know what that's like at this point. You know, I can, and I was first generation, you know, I, I went through all, a lot of the same issues that my community went through, but that was a while ago. And since then, like I have a master's degree, you know what I'm saying? Like things have changed. And so I, I could remember us doing a workshop for our parents last year and it was a virtual workshop and the parents were filling out a long application for their students who qualified for a scholarship, the Kent Cook scholarship. And I could remember the frustration in the parents' faces because they were lost when it came to filling out the application. The virtual did not work. Um, and so we had to kind of like change our way of thinking and work individually with the students and with the parents. Um, because again, in our head, you know, we we assume that that application wouldn't take that much time. But as a parent who has never had to fill something out like that, like I filled out FAFSA forms a hundred times in my life, but um, for a parent, you know, they weren't in that place yet. So just be respectful of the place that they're in and meeting them there. And so I would say, um, don't make assumptions about the community that you're working with. Um, do community outreach. Find out who who the people are in the community, like find out who the leadership is within the community and then reach out to them and let them know like, hey, you know what? I'm just starting here. Um, if you're working in a brown community, make sure that you're 
reaching out to like churches and neighborhood organizations. And that way you could do that outreach with the parents um, because that, that parent piece is so important because you're going to want to build that trust. And you want to want to let them know that you are an ally and you're here to do that work. Um, and with student voice, you can't make assumptions of, of what you think that their needs are. It really does have to do with having conversations with them. Um, and not only just having the conversation, because we could all have the conversations we could, but that's not doing the work. Um, so some of the information that you're going to hear from those students is not necessarily the best information. It's not going to be, um, you know, shining this great light. There there are issues within the school. There are issues that they're going through. Um, but have that have those conversation pieces and do that work and let them see that you're doing that work. Um, so that way they understand that they can trust you. And in, if you if it's a survey that you're sharing with your administrators, like let them know, because a lot of the work that we were able to do, we were able to do because our administration understood the surveys that we were doing, understood the feedback and understood the need. So if if I just started, you know, creating, oh, we, we, we were able to talk about microaggressions, but he understood we had to talk about microaggressions because he understood what was going on in the community. So it wasn't just blind, like, you know, we had that conversation and I let him know what the intention was and how we were going to have a plan to address the needs of the students. It wasn't just something that we just blanketly did. It was something that we worked on together. And I think that that is so powerful. And the students knowing at the end of the day that we have their best interests and we're not just saying that we're actually doing that work and sometimes those converse, conversations are uncomfortable and we get that but we're still going to be their ally and do that work for them with them um then that goes so much for building the program building those relationships and in doing the work that we're trained to do yes yes and more yes <laughs> um getting to know your people mm -hmm. and meeting students where they are uh so important so important so one uh, last question for you, really, it's just if there's anything that we didn't talk about yet that you didn't get a chance to, to share with us, um, let us know. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to, you wanted to share with our listeners? Collaborate. I mean, I think that collaborate with other people. And I think that it's really easy to kind of be accustomed to the way things are. But unfortunately, you know, we have to learn and grow and advocate for our profession or to do the work that our students need now more than ever before. And sometimes, especially in the state of Indiana, I know that things can be uncomfortable. I know there has to be certain ways that we're doing things, but we can't stop the work because it's uncomfortable. We have to be smarter and we have to be very intentional what we're doing, but we have to continue this work because our kids need it. Our kids depend on us, don't they? Uh, thank you so much, Lydia. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story and, and your experience and your work. Um, we, we will drop Lydia's contact information and the resources in case you want to reach out to ask any follow-up questions or if you want to continue to be inspired by Lydia and her team of counselors and Hammond. So thank you again and be sure to check out the other episodes in this very special series where Counselor Connect takes over the Homegrown Podcast. Thanks, Lydia. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Homegrown Podcast. Please share this episode with an educator you know. It helps if you subscribe, rate, and review us. Visit us at www.keepindianalearning.org to find more Counselor Connect resources and professional learning opportunities. Counselor Connect is powered by Keep Indiana Learning, a department of the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. Please reach out if you'd like to connect to our amazing network of student service professionals across the state.